We're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1 through 11, as we kick off this Built for This series. And I want you to turn to your neighbor and yell. No, you don't have to. Uh, We have been a little louder this morning because of the weather. And so if you thought you were coming to church and sleeping, it ain't happening today, okay? And so that's why we cranked it up, and you can blame me if your eardrums have been busted from the worship band and everything else, but that was on purpose, because you ain't going to take a nap today. This morning we need to, as the sermon title is, get ready. Turn to your neighbor, say, get ready. Oh, man, you are not with me at all this morning. I'm going to get louder. This is a threat. It's a real threat. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. There we go, there we go. Here's the threefold purpose. I'm gonna come back to this, but here's the threefold purpose of this series. Number one, we are together going to embrace God's presence. Number two, we are going to equip God's people. Number three, we're going to execute God's plan. Execute. God's plan. Um, If you hang around me long enough, you're going to learn something about me. I am not handy. I don't know how to fix anything. I don't know how to build anything. I'm just telling you, I can barely flush a toilet. Right now, my front door doesn't work. And I had Evan Weaver over at the house, and he's like, you know, an engineer. He didn't even help me with my front door. So Ambeth's like, why didn't you? Because the one thing you're good at is calling someone to fix something. Why didn't you make Evan fix the door? Because she knows I can't fix the door. I mean, I've tried YouTube and everything. I don't know how to fix things. It actually makes things worse when I try. And so I had to Google search what it takes to build a house or to build something. Because we're going to see a story of building in the book of Nehemiah. And I had no idea what goes into building a house Uh, Some of you guys do understand this. Architectural design, permits, site preparation and foundation being poured, complete rough framing, complete rough plumbing, electrical and HVAC, insulation install, complete drywall and interior textures and exterior finishes, finish interior trim, install exterior driveways and walkways, install hard surface flooring and countertops, who knew, complete exterior grading, Finish mechanical trims, install bathroom fixtures, install mirrors, shower doors, and finish flooring. Finish exterior landscaping, and then a final walkthrough. Some of you are into the details. You're like, you missed a few things. That house is going to be whack, all right? Uh, That's what was on Google, so blame Google. That's what it takes to build something. Here's the honest truth as we dive into God's Word together. And I'm going to be pretty transparent. Some of you are like, that's every time you preach, Rob. It'd be nice if you weren't so transparent, all right? Um, I'm going to be pretty transparent on where I'm at as even I believe the Lord called me to preach this series two months ago. I'm kind of at a different place than I was two months ago, and so because of that reality, I'm just going to let you know I got to share with you what the Lord's doing in me. And I even asked the Lord last second, do I need to change? And he said, nope. I got you right where I want you, which was not something you could have predicted, but it's the plans that I had for you. Here's the honest truth. A lot of us are seeking the Lord, 
for how the Lord is building our lives. And I want you to know God doesn't wing it. He has a beautiful design, correct order, like we just read for building of a house. You don't do a final walkthrough first, right? Uh, you got dirt. It's not finished. You don't go through steps in life and God's just kind of like, let's see what happens with this person. No, he has an amazing plan and it's my hope that no matter where you are in life, that we would ultimately surrender to God's plans. Here's three questions you're going to process in your V group discussion this week. And then you're going to lock in on prayer in this first week. The first is this. Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, if you, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you hope and a future. Number two, you're going to ask yourselves this. Are you seeking after God for that plan? Jeremiah 29, 13 says, If you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And then question number three as you process together is, will you trust God's plan? Will you trust God's plan? Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Now when it comes to his plan, many people choose to build their own lives. And it's my prayer that we would surrender to God's plan for their lives. I want to invite you to journey with us in Nehemiah. We are together going to embrace God's presence, equip God's people, and execute God's plan. Let's open up our Bibles and look in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah. Some of you are getting some cool names for your future kids. Now it happened in the month of Chisley. In the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, there's another cool name, can't wait to meet little Hanani one day. One of my brothers came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The walls of Jerusalem, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Um, I want you to know that we're going to make available to you uh, myself and the lead pastor of the church that I had the privilege of planting way back in 2008 in the city of New Orleans wrote a mini commentary on the book of Nehemiah. Um, I'm one of these keep it simple, stupid kind of guys. 
And although I've got a doctorate, I want you to know I like cliff notes. And I enjoy reading summaries. And so some of y'all might want to go into a deep systematic theology book, a long book, big old book, right? I'm providing for you something that I put together with Dr. Dustin Turner in New Orleans. And it's literally just a short little commentary to help you understand the context of Nehemiah. I want to give us just a little bit of an understanding of what we've read. And then we're going to see the hand of God here at the beginning of the book of Nehemiah. In order to understand, and this is somewhat from this commentary that I've written for you, understand the setting of Nehemiah, we first have to go back several hundred years. We must keep in the back of our minds the story that is found in Exodus of God bringing his people out of bringing his people Israel out of slavery and into the promised land. Now God placed Israel in the promised land to be as God's word says, his treasured possession among all peoples, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Because of this, the people of Israel were to be holy, separate from the neighboring nations. And ultimately, God promised that if the people of Israel would pursue this, they would be blessed. The people of Israel did not keep pursuing this. Because of their continued sin, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, God says... That because of this sin, he would send them into captivity and give their land to other kings and kingdoms. God does, does promise that if his people would repent, would confess their sins, Deuteronomy 30 says he would restore their fortunes, have mercy on them, Gather them again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. And the Lord your God will bring you back into the land that your fathers possessed so that you may possess it. We just read about Nehemiah reading about what's happening in Jerusalem. Reading about what's happening to his people. He's not in Jerusalem. So, God allowed the people to prosper as we know in Exodus. But unfortunately they fell into grave sin. And that sin sent them into exile. By the time God judged the people of Israel, they were already a divided kingdom. The northern part and the southern part. Known as Israel and the kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom of Israel was overtaken by the world power of that day, Assyria. You've heard of King Nebuchadnezzar. Of Babylon. And he would later invade Judah, destroying Jerusalem and the temple. Thus enters two books in the Old Testament, Ezra and Nehemiah. And so what we find as part of this story to understand the context, why are the people exiled? It's because of the sin of Israel, and it's because God allowed the enemies of Israel to overtake them. There's three different kind of returns or seasons of God bringing God's people back to Israel. The first is under the leadership. Here's another great name for those of you who are going to have kids one day, Zerubbabel. 
And Zerubbabel leads a whole bunch of exiles back to Jerusalem. The second is under the leadership of Ezra, who is the priest, the scribe. He's the potential author of Ezra and Nehemiah. He returns to Jerusalem with over 1,700 Israelites. The third kind of part of this story is Nehemiah. And here at the early part of Nehemiah, what does Nehemiah hear? He hears that the walls have been destroyed, that the gates have been on fire, and that the people are in turmoil. So, this is where it's going to get a little raw. If I'm Nehemiah, and I'm a person of leadership and influence, I'm just telling you I'm putting on the pads and the helmet. But me and coach, I'm ready to knock someone out in the name of Jesus, right? Right? I'm, I'm immediately hitting a whiteboard. I love whiteboards. And I'm strategizing. We got V groups and we got V students and V kids. You see what I'm saying? This is me. All right, we got a problem. We got a need. So I'm not necessarily, I'm one of these guys who ask forgiveness more than permission. Been like that ever since I was little. My mom called me naughty. And I just go sometimes before I think, and, and when there's a challenge, when there's a need, I just, oh, let's go. So wouldn't that be probably what Nehemiah would do? Isn't that what you and I should do? As we began 2022, 2020 part three, you can go into the lobby over there and you can find the more initiative. We scripted out a whole bunch of things that I believe God was calling us to this year. And I believe still that God's calling us to these things this year. But how many of y'all have ever discovered that when you try and step out in faith to obey God and do the things that God's called you to, the enemy tries to do whatever he can to derail that in your life? Anybody experienced that? So I'm just telling you, since I've been here in Pittsburgh, I'm coming on this fall four years. Our church, part of our story, we launched in January of 2020, enjoyed seeing people for two months. It feels like in this city, I'm just telling you, it feels like in this city, every step forward, I'm having to take three steps backwards. Step forward, three steps backwards. And so if I can just tell you this, I woke up this morning, I got up at about 5.30, and symbolic, I'm telling you, like, true to form, because I feel like when it comes to even the weather in Pittsburgh, it's been a step forward and three steps backwards. I'm like, what? what's going on? Yesterday, I got a suntan. Today? I need my coat. Step forward, three steps backwards. And some of you are like, 
I don't agree with a preacher wearing a hat on Sunday when he preaches. I didn't feel like doing my hair. Because when I woke up at 5.30, it was gorgeous. Kevin was probably up then. It was gorgeous. There was a beautiful sunrise. I'm like, oh, it's going to be amazing. And then Pittsburgh happened. And I'm like, the downpour that happened at my house, my house was shaking. I said, bump this. I ain't doing my hair. I'm wearing my favorite Orvis hat. Because when I put it on, I feel like I'm on a stream. I'm going to wear my rain jacket. In fact, I'm baptizing someone, so I'm going to get wet anyways. I'm going to put on my rain jacket. And I know nobody can relate to this, but I'm, I'm just telling you, I came this morning. I even said these words to my wife. I said, babe, I'm just telling you, she's like, how are you feeling this morning? I said, I'm frustrated and angry. She's like, Father, please protect those people. And some of you are like, no, I need a pastor that's just, oh, Jesus is awesome. He's doing awesome things. I'm telling you, I'm a little beat up. I'm a little tired of the step forward, three steps backwards. Some of the things that I scripted out on a whiteboard back in January, we're so far behind on what I whiteboarded. Can't understand why God won't get a clue. And I'm just telling you what God spoke to me about. Rob, perhaps your step forward is your step forward. Is that my step forward for you? I know I'm the only one that's taken a step forward that wasn't God's. But just let me have my moment. I know you are in step with God at all times. This morning, God spoke to me through Nehemiah. Because of what we read that's next here in verse 4. Here's on the screen, here's our three steps, three purposes for this series. Write these down. Number one, we're going to embrace God's presence. Number two, equip God's people. Number three, execute God's plan. Could it be possible? I'm so thankful for God's grace, aren't you? that I've been trying to execute a plan without first embracing God's presence? Because I'm a fix-it guy. I'm a leader. And God, do you know who you called to be the pastor of this church? God, do you know who you called to be the leader of this family? God, do you understand how blessed you are to have me in this world for you. Nehemiah heard that his people were in need. 
And I'm sure there was some side of Nehemiah's flesh saying, not my people, ain't messing with my mama. I'm going to go. Look at verse 4. Verse 4, it says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And then there's something really interesting here, which was also convicting to me. Does it say I started fasting and praying? He says, I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And you might say, okay, well, then that's, Rob, you being convicted. I want you to know genuinely, and hopefully you believe in me, I have been fasting and praying a lot in this season. (laughs) I don't know how much I've been stopping and weeping. But I have been praying for you. I have been praying for us. So I'm thankful that as sometimes, get this, you fast and pray, your people or your situation can be a hot mess. I mean, shouldn't have God already given victory to the people of God because Nehemiah had already been fasting and praying. That's proof. Just because we pray, just because we seek the Lord, doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect. Because this world is not our home. This life is not our own. We are all at some level exiles until we enter the kingdom of heaven. Nehemiah continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. No matter where you are, you don't hear anything else, look at me. You need God's presence. The greatest thing Nehemiah did in this moment is he didn't whiteboard some sort of game plan for the month of May and this and all this kind of stuff. No, what he does is he prays. Let's listen to his prayer. In verse 5, And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear, O God, be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel which we have sinned against you. You see this as a good leader? Doesn't say their sin, get them God. Our sin. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We've acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. 
Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, remember how I shared with you in this context, we got to go all the way back to Exodus. That's where it makes sense now with Nehemiah. He's declaring to God, remember your promise, Lord. I've been somewhat this last few months, God, you told me to go to Pittsburgh. You promised. Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. He is quoting God's words. So he continues on. He says to the Lord in his prayer, they are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now stop. what God wants us to do. This is what God's telling me to do. He ain't telling me to execute his plan right now. He ain't telling me even to equip his people right now. I love you. I'm telling you, one of the things we've been doing is a connect track and a leadership track, and I've had a kind of struggle finishing even the leadership track in this season, seeing people step in and completing different things and all that. God's told me that's not important right now. Then it's church, we need to embrace God's presence. No more steps, three steps backwards, unless it's designed by God. And we love blaming God for everything. Oh, the Lord just, no, you were a moron, you made a bad step. We're going to embrace God's presence, and here in Nehemiah, what do we see? Because there is in Nehemiah an equipping of God's people. There is in Nehemiah an executing of God's plan. These are not bad things. Any planners in the house? Somewhere my wife is saying, hey man, me. She, she doesn't want to wing anything. It frustrates me. She learned when we were in college, <laughs> we almost were engaged to be married. She took a trip with my dad. My dad preached for the European Baptist Convention with Dr. Henry Blackaby, and we went to Switzerland and Belgium, and we were basically gone for four weeks. Some of y'all are about to have a panic attack. My dad didn't book one hotel before. We slammed into a vehicle. And we followed the Holy Spirit is what we like to call it. And some of, some of the hotels we stayed at, I don't know. Like, this is why I know I was supposed to marry Annabeth. She forgave me for my family's sins. 
There was one hotel my mom refused to use the bathroom. And so let's just say she got creative. I mean, it was rough. So you're planners. There's nothing wrong with planning. But if you're honest, and this is me, is it the Lord's plans? And as Nehemiah prays, a light bulb moment happens. And guys, this is so liberating for some of you here today. You're working, you're working, you're working. I feel like I've been on a hamster wheel ever since I've been here in Pittsburgh. There's working, 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 working. Like, where is this going? Nowhere. We're just spinning. And somewhat I like that. I'm a Peloton guy. This morning I was in Puerto Rico. We're just spinning. And we're just working. Spending lots of energy. I'm telling you what I'm about to share with you is what you need. Nehemiah embraces God's presence. We get a little taste of his prayer. Now look at the end of verse 11. The tense changes. That's like, he's praying, seeking God. Now, I was cupbearer to the king. God, all along, even in the mess of the people of Israel, was designing an unbelievable plan. Listen to what this one commentary speaks of with the significance of him being the cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah was an exiled Israelite who was also the cupbearer to the Persian king Artaxerxes. A distinguished position within the palace of the king. And as the cupbearer, Nehemiah had the responsibility of tasting the king's wine and food, making sure it was not poisoned. I got to let you know this. I got to hope you understand this. So many of you are saying, I just want to happen overnight. Nothing happens overnight. Nehemiah did not get to this point of prominence and trust of the king literally of the world at this time overnight. He was one who had been faithful for years and for years and had become one who was trusted. God can perform a miracle in your life overnight, but most of the time that's not how it rolls. He stayed in the hamster wheel at times. I'm sure as he's Enjoying the wine and this. He's like, oh, this is pretty good, but it probably got a little boring. He probably put on some pounds. He's like, really, God, this is my purpose? To just make sure this cat doesn't get poisoned? And oh, by the way, remember, he doesn't know if it's poisoned. So everyone is like, this could be the end. I mean, that Cabernet looks amazing, but it could end me. This was his life. Some of y'all are probably like, this is my life. So I'll quit. Because it's not going anywhere. There's no way God's doing anything right now. There's no way that this could be of use to the kingdom of God. Stay in the game. Embrace God's presence. Weep 
seek him. I'm cupbearer to the king. My people are in need. And because of this access, now I have access to serve the people who are in need. Like no one else in the entire world. Maybe he would have come to this conclusion on his own. Anybody testify as well that God's used you despite you? Anybody also want to testify that you've stepped into some promises of God and you're like, I didn't deserve that one. God, you were so kind to me and I failed you miserably all the way. God is sovereign. And maybe perhaps God would have showed Nehemiah this important position that would have given him access to the king to get not only the freedom, permission, but the resources as we're going to learn. How do you build a wall without resources? This dude broke. The people of Israel stripped of all their possessions, broke. How are we going to be able to build the wall? I got access to the king who owns all the land and the resources. This king is nothing but a pawn in King Jesus' hands, who's the ultimate king of all. I was cupbearer to the king. We're going to close in prayer, but here's some questions that I want us to reflect on. They'll also be in our V group guide this week. First question is this. As you are embracing God's presence, what have you done? I've shared this with you. Reflective praise for me inspires future perseverance. And I know one thing when I look in my past, God has been faithful. And I also know this, the last 10 years of my life, even though I didn't understand what was going on, it's preparing me for the next 10 years of my life. What have you done? God's hand's been in your life, even if you haven't been aware. God's also in the failures because God works all things for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Number two, where have you been? What have you done? Where have you been? It's not by chance that I get to hang out with my sister from Kenya. We just talked about all the things that God did in her life years ago, halfway across the world. And Anne, as I told you, God sent you here. Where you have been is for here. There's things you can teach me, sister. Where have you been? How about this question? Why has this happened? <laughs> Anybody gone through anything in life, been like, what are you doing, God? And then, fast forward just one year, two years, and you're like, oh, that's what you were doing. Some people struggle finding out the will of God. So do I. Sometimes the only way I know the will of God is I'm driving and I look in the rearview mirror. 
okay, God, that's why you did that. You took me through that crisis. You allowed me to experience that thing because now I'm at a place where I'm getting to serve someone who is in that moment. Why does this happen? When is the right time? Let's trust God's timing. Let's not always be like Pastor Rob and think before we, or act before we think. Let's trust God's timing. Some of us, perhaps in this room, this guy included, is moving too soon. Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Another important question, how will it happen? These are all questions that you must be asking the Lord as you're embracing his presence. How, Lord? I, I just don't know how this is going to happen. It seems impossible every step. Now I was cupbearer to the king. Here's the most important question you can ask as we close. Who do you belong to? And I want you to know the story of Nehemiah is not a story in which Nehemiah is the main character and the hero. Our God is. And we're going to read a story over this month of God using Nehemiah and the people of Israel to do an amazing work. You're going to find out that just because God provides a way for the, will, for the walls to be built, you're about to find out it's not going to be easy. We're going to meet three dudes that are a constant nag. We're going to see the enemy. We're going to see the resistance. We're going to see the pain. Just because God gives you a vision and he shows you what you're supposed to do doesn't mean it's going to be easy to get there, especially if it's God's vision resistance will come I've told you this if you're experiencing resistance as you're trying to live for Jesus be encouraged you're a threat to Satan and he would love to derail you being in this church serving the Lord being a part of his kingdom who do you belong to true vision is found in submission to Jesus. Not true vision is found in our ability to study and do this and do this and do this. No, true vision is found in submission to Jesus. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be a day where you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. God's word says you will be saved. And he is all that you need. We're going to play a song that I listened to this morning. <laughs> it's so crazy. As I'm on my Peloton in Puerto Rico, and the beautiful sunrise is disappearing with clouds and rain. It's a song that Elevation Worship came out with. It's a song that speaks about the promises of God. 
Here's some of the lines. I'm calling on the God of Jacob who love, whose love endures through generations. Some of you are like, thank you, Rob, for not singing it. I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who opened up the ocean. I need you now to do the same thing for me, for me, for me. Oh, God, my God, I need you. Oh, God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now, O oh rock, O oh rock of ages. I'm standing on your faithfulness, on your faithfulness. I'm calling on the God of Mary, whose favor rests upon the lowly. I know with you all things are possible. I'm calling on the God of David, who made the shepherd boy courageous. I may not face Goliath, but I've got my own giants. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, oh God, my, I, I need you now. How I need you now, yes, O rock, O rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness. It's your faithfulness I'm standing on. It never changes, it never changes. You heard your children then, you hear your children now, you are the same God. You are the same God. You answered prayers back then, you will answer prayers right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You were providing then. You're providing now. You are the same God. You're the same God. You moved in power then, God. You move in power now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You were the healer then. You're the healer now. You're the same God. The same God. You're the Savior then. You're a Savior now. You're the same God same God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And as we close, here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask if perhaps, if it's okay, I've given you this link tree and the QR code, but I'm actually going to ask for even everybody that's behind the media booth to just stop doing what we do. And we're going to play this song. And I want to encourage you to embrace God's presence. If you need to leave, it's okay. But I'm going to ask if we could. I don't want us talking as we leave and I want us to just respect this moment of God's presence. I trust God, even with those of you who are first-time guests with us, that God would stir in your heart to connect with our church more than my ability to connect with you. I trust God in unleashing salvation in your life. We vintage church need to embrace God's presence like never before. And so as this song is being sung over us, you take whatever time you need. We're gonna keep this auditorium as quiet as we need to, even, as for it's, if, even if it's for quite a while. If you need to leave, let's just do it quietly. Parents, don't forget about your kiddos. Let's seek the Lord together. Some of y'all might wanna come up front and pray. Spend a quick moment embracing God's presence. I'm calling.